0: Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Did you know Cisco helps manage service providers directly? Know about the Cisco Partner Program? Focused on helping partners combine managed services expertise and service creation with innovative Cisco technology and proven go-to-market resources. There's a program option for you with provider pricing, MDF, and marketing resources coupled with Cisco's leading technologies, including Meraki, Duo, and Umbrella. Learn more with the link right in the show notes. This is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Noelle Johnson, and uh, she is from Johnson2, the number two, consulting.com. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So uh, what I know about you is that you founded uh, and run, I guess, the uh, uh, you're the learning and development partner with Johnson Squared Consulting, um, and you work on diversity, equity, and inclusion in technology. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, yes. So we have a focus on DEI. We also do a lot of work on accessibility and website accessibility for our clients.
0: Okay, so we'll get back to that because I made a note about that. Right. Yes. <laughs> but okay. uh, So I met Noelle because uh, I am on the CompTIA Advancing Tech Talent and Diversity um, uh, Executive Committee, and she was on one of the programs. And I literally just sent her a note, I said, ah, we have to talk about
1: this.
0: (laughs) So um, talk a little bit about what is, uh, you know, from your perspective, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. What does that term mean?
1: Yeah, so diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's an industry that's definitely been on the rise for the last 10 years, but it's a focus on helping companies make their teams as diverse as possible, but also making sure that people feel included. The company culture really reflects their values in a way that's really strong and people can show up as themselves and working on that equity piece and making sure that folks that are from underrepresented groups get the support that they need so that they can be treated as equals. So we work with clients on how to do that, and it looks different for all different sorts of companies, but in technology, there is a huge emphasis on diversity, which we know is really important in making sure that there are different perspectives that are in place and people really have a good understanding of uh, how to do things outside of the box. People collaborate better when it's more diverse, There's so much focus on diversity and not so much on inclusion. So there's a rotating door of people of color and people in the LGBTQ community outside that will go and hop to another company when that inclusion piece isn't focused in. on.
0: Okay, so let me focus a little more clearly then. So diversity, I think we mostly get. So what's the difference between diversity and inclusion? So I I hire a diverse workforce, but I don't include them. I don't make them feel welcome.
1: That's exactly what happens. So we make sure that we are checking the box and that we have lots of people that look like they're from different backgrounds or they come from underrepresented group and that's diversity. But inclusion is making sure that they feel welcome. It's being able to, you know, we say that we wanna get somebody that's the right culture fit, but that's wrong. We wanna make sure that the culture is able to adapt to the people that are coming into the office. So that's that inclusion piece is seeing, you know, do we have a good idea of all the different halls days that impact our, um, our staff? Um, are we culturally aware of things that may be impacting people on our team? Um, are we using inclusive terms so that people don't feel um, like they're not included in conversations? Are they getting the same amount of promotions um, as their counterparts? So all those things are looked at when we're p- taking some time in, in uh, looking at inclusion.
0: So on one hand, this seems like a big business problem <laughs> but most businesses are small and certainly most of my audience is small do we have do we have the same issues in a small business that's got whatever five or ten employees
1: it's a major issue um, because right now companies are having a really hard time holding on to employees and they're moving on to other companies faster than they used to. And a part of that reason is because they're not looking at that inclusion piece. There's issues with transparency and and the way that um, folks communicate. Uh, And also, even for small businesses, when they share people who are on their team on, you know, on their social media platform or people are looking to apply for a job, they're taking a look to see, does anybody look like me? When I take a look at their values, is that aligned to my values? Because millennials and also Generation Z, they're looking at those things before they even apply to companies. So even small companies really need to see uh, that they're being mindful of that. And consumers are looking at that as well.
0: So uh, my friend, Dave Sobel, he's got the Business of Tech podcast. And one of the things he does is he looks at all of the different companies in the IT space and he goes to their web page and he he looks to their about page to see mm-hmm. whose faces are there, and mm-hmm. then he publishes the stats. And of course, that's just you know the visible faces they choose to put forward. Of course, but basically, it is not doing well.
1: <laughs> They're not. No, and and I think that, that intention is there, which is good. Like the, I think there's a more awareness in tech than we see in some other industries, like finance and some other folks. But there's some much work that really needs to get done that just isn't there yet. There's definitely a big disconnect there.
0: So, so what can we do as a tiny business? I mean, you know, realistically, what can I do?
1: Yeah. So one of the things I think that's important to take a look at is what your company's values are when it comes to both diversity and also inclusion and making that very clear on your company's website. So it, you know, your company could, have a statement that looks as, you know, uh, bold as Ben and Jerry's, or it can look like something that is much more conservative that really fits in with your values. So, but making that clear on what's important to you helps people understand um, if they align to uh, what your company does and and their values as well. Another thing to take a look at is what are you looking at when it comes to your hiring practices? So we want to really take a look at that make sure that we're not isolating anyone even accidentally maybe you have some words on your job description that are pretty you know male focus and it's a really aggressive and it's going to tell a woman who might be interested in, in coming on oh this is an all boys club I'm not going to be welcomed here because everything is so aggressive and assertive and it just doesn't really fit in with me so really taking a look at that language is another thing businesses can do um, and we're big on accessibility which I know that we um I just touched on up briefly, but I think really taking a look at your websites and making sure that they're accessible and that they're ADA compliant is really important for the folks that are coming to your websites.
0: So, when you engage with someone, do you start with their website or start with the you know company meeting or you know what what is it? I like-
1: I like to see where the issues are. Um, Normally, we get the call whenever there seems to be some friction. And normally, it's a company that has the right intention, but they're not quite sure what to do next. So sometimes what they need to do is to send out a survey to their team um, to get some insights in there, because I think that's a great place to start to understand what your um, what your staff is looking for, because they don't always tell it to the managers um, and they'll keep it to themselves. So having somebody from the outside asking those questions makes things a little bit more open. Uh, sometimes what people need is that website piece and taking a look at their statements and their policies, and we can come in and do that. So it just depends on where those weak spots are. Some companies really seem to have it together when it comes to inwardly what inclusion looks like, but people on the outside can't really view that. So they need help that way, but most of our clients need more help internally.
0: So it's possible to sort of make people feel included, but not 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 have the rest of the world see that you're doing that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And we don't want to, you know, miss out on those opportunities. We really want people to see where, where your heart is.
0: So um, I'm also interested in this whole concept of showing up with your whole self, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, which was a a really interesting thing that you talked about. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people I think are, are coming around to the fact that there's actually research that shows that a more diverse workforce makes more money, is more energized, all kinds of stuff. Um, but then you got to take it to the next step and say, OK, we're not getting all the diversity because we don't let people show up as themselves. Mm-hmm. What what is that about? Talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah. So it looks differently to different companies. But what we see a lot of is you're expected to adjust yourself to fit what the, what the majority of the company looks like and what their background is. So even though you are diverse, you're expected to fit into an affinity group that you just do not belong to. So this can look like um, asking Black women to uh, straighten their hair or put their hair back. Uh, This can look like um, telling somebody that they have to cover up, but they have tattoos. It's little things that don't really affect the way that somebody does their job. Ah, but it infects how they feel personally which is a whole psychological safety thing that we really want to be mindful of but we should know um, and a good example we had somebody who was really trying to push for women in the office to wear dresses and there was um, a lesbian that was on the team that said that's not something that she felt comfortable wearing and didn't feel like that was fair so that was something that you know, we needed to spend some time with them to understand that, hey, it doesn't actually matter what they wear as long as they're doing great at their job. And the more comfortable somebody feels as showing up as themselves, the better they're going to do at work because they don't have to worry about things like code switching or presenting themselves as anyone other than who they really are.
0: So how can managers help with that? I mean, because the problem I can see is somebody writing a memo and saying, we want you to just be yourself. End of memo. (laughs) Okay, now we're done.
1: I think that, it, I think that like seeing it in action is really what people need to see from the leadership team. So having things available like workshops surrounding, you know, DEI topics like unconscious bias and microaggressions in any place where that leader knows there are some gaps, seeing that there is some training that's starting to happen, even if it's just for the leadership team, it means a lot for the entire organization. Um, I think that it also just any, um, whenever there's somebody who really goes against Green, when you're trying to work on that inclusivity, seeing that that person is reprimanded somehow, that that person is um, counseled or whatever, so that that person who's a thorn in the side of other people because of their own bias is handled, not necessarily fired, but that you know people can see that there's a change happening. It gives them some hope that this is something that is important. So really, walking that walk is um, means so much more than any memo that can go out.
0: So um, I honor you for trying to get this work done, I have to say, it seems like a, such a tough topic because, I mean, my guess will be that this, just because of the title, this podcast will get fewer viewers than normal, fewer listeners Mm -hmm. than normal, because Mm -hmm. people don't want to talk about tough things, especially when it comes to work. And so, um, you know, how do you, how do you get people to basically say, look, this is good for your business. You should sit down and listen to it. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people, when they're considering what they need to do with DEI, they can get overwhelmed by one, but there's also a lot of shame that comes along with it. We specialize in a no shame approach to everything that we do. We know that everybody starts somewhere and keeping in mind that um, it's a journey and and, it, and you're not going to get there right away it's important. Um, But it isn't something that is comfortable. I always tell people there's no growth in comfort. Uh, So sometimes we need to get a little bit uncomfortable, but when we really make our employees feel like they are valued and that they are seen and they can come as themselves, your company is gonna make more money. You're going to get things done a lot faster. And in the long run, it's just going to be good for your organization overall. So it's just a win-win across the table.
0: So uh, again, I want to make sure we have the website, Johnson, normal spelling. I'm going to call it that, normal spelling.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Johnson, the number two, consulting.com. So it's really Johnson squared, but-
1: Yes, Johnson squared, yes. Yes.
0: Johnson2consulting.com. Very cool. And so um, when you engage with folks, um, is there usually a, a specific person that's the problem or is it more generally just kind of, things that have just been done for the last 10, 15, 20 years?
1: That's a really good question. Um, Sometimes it's it's both. It's normally one person is the driver in making change happen um, and trying to get everybody else to speed can be um, a bigger pull and they need somebody to come in to kind of help with that. Um, so sometimes it is like, uh, like one leader but it just is really dragging their feet on making some of these initiatives come, um, you know, come into fruition, but sometimes it's just the industry. And like, this is the way that it's always been. It's always been fine. When I've been hiring people from the same college that I went to, we always have great people on the team and they just are missing what's really important. And unfortunately, what happens in these scenarios is that they don't know it's an issue until a lawsuit comes up, um, which has been the scenario in a few of the the small businesses that we've worked with.
0: So um, you mentioned that uh, words in advertising and whatever can make people sort of feel not welcome. Are there words, are there, are there sample advertisements that make people feel like they are welcome? Like we actually want you to apply?
1: Yeah, um, I think that keeping things gender neutral is really important. Um, I think having on your, if you have a job description out, having the salary range is really important, no matter what, like whatever your goal is, like making that very clear is gonna be helpful with you getting the right folks. Um, But being able to have your values on your job description is good for people to know that they're going to be welcome. So it's so much more than just like that EEOC statement that's at the bottom because like right. no one's really reading it. It feels like fine print. But if you talk about how employees are valued in the company and how you value your customers is just really good for somebody who's applying to um, to know that you're going to be a great company to work for.
0: So you would add a, a, an actual paragraph that says, "We Absolutely. welcome everybody." da da. da, da. Yes. So. Very cool. Now, one of the things, I mean, in IT right now, there's such a shortage of everybody from top to bottom, programming, technicians, help desk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people today are just trying to get somebody to show up uh, for work. Um, So how, how do we, you know, try to include people in an environment where, you know, there's just not that many people applying in the first
1: place? I think being mindful of where you're posting job descriptions is is important. So where those job postings are is going to be telling on who you get. Um, so if you're just posting on, um, oh, and uh, that big tech job um, board, Monster. Is kind of dispar- Monster is um, is one of the older ones, but there's one that's like very specifically just for tech people. But it's only men that tend to be on there, so that just isn't a good one, <laughs> anyways. So maybe I don't mention it. Um, but I'm a really big fan, like if you're looking to get more women, there's um, job boards that are specifically for women in tech, like uh, Power to Fly. So if that's something that you're looking for, then that's going to be a good place for you to go. If you're looking for other people in different demographics, there are job boards specifically for people who are having a hard time finding the roles and they don't know if you're going to be a safe company to work for, but when they see you on these job boards, it's a good indication of, hey, you know, this is what's happening. Also letting people know that um, our You know, outside of your affinity group that you're hiring, and to share it with other people is a good way for them to share it with people that um, may have a different background than yours. So definitely, like utilizing that network and letting people know is is uh, a little bit easier than just putting it on, you know, LinkedIn or one of the other job big job boards.
0: Um, And you know, I think there's probably a tendency that people people go to their friends on Facebook, LinkedIn, and so forth, and say, "Hey, we have a job," Um, but that That may not be any more diverse than their company already because it's the same pool of people that they already hang out with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think I mean Facebook groups is one of my favorite places for this because you can go to one that's filled with people that look and have a background completely different than yours, and you can just post it there and you know see the kind of job um, uh, applications that you get from there. But going, I mean, you're still using a network in a way, but these aren't your immediate um, folks that you would normally go to, and kind of makes you stretch a little bit with the types of folks that you're reaching to.
0: So do you encourage people to have fairly, I guess I would call blind job applications where their name is not on it because their name might give away something about their culture or, uh, you know, I mean, people have ways of sort of of teasing these things out. But, you know, where, where do you stand on that?
1: I think that um, it really depends on the person's individual bias. If you're really self-aware and you know that that's a, pro- a place that you have an issue, then you know going for that is important. My my partner and my sister um, at Johnson Squared, she is very open in sharing that she has a bias with education. So she makes sure whenever she gets an application and the education is taken out, so that way she isn't prejudging um, because of that bias. So if you're aware that um, having those areas on your the applications that come in being screened out. It's great. If you're unsure, having a blind one is a great way to go, a a really good approach.
0: Very cool. Um, So what do you think are probably the biggest tips for small businesses to sort of get started with diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Yeah. Having a pulse on how people in your company feel um, when it comes to inclusion. So when you're doing your um, maybe a 360 review, asking questions surrounding uh, diversity and inclusion is important. Um, If you are looking to hire, making sure to go and and post these and some of the things I was talking about earlier, that's going to be really helpful for you. Um, And also taking a look at your policy, your um, DI policy, um, and making sure that it's understood from everybody in the company across the board is great. And a last thing I would uh, really urge people to do a website audit um, to make sure that their consumers are able to really be able to see and hear everything on your website possible.
0: So uh, let's talk about that. So What do you mean being able to see and hear? You mean literally like people who have visual uh, problems and hearing problems?
1: Exactly. I was watching a video um, with a, it was a, a blind technologist who was using his sight reader on a website that was not ADA compliant and one that was ADA compliant. When I was listening to the way that he would have to hear Um, all the different things that were on the website as he was going through that it wasn't compliant. It was so frustrating. I can barely get through the video. I was so like frustrated for him. Um, And the one that was compliant, it just went so much more smooth and it didn't have all the hiccups that the other one did. So it just was so much easier. So taking a look at those sorts of things that you have those capabilities, Uh, is great. There's lots of free assessments that will do an audit for you. Um, You can put something on your website, like a widget that'll just change everything. People can choose whatever their disability is, they can make an adjustment. Um, I love Accessibility. That's what I use. And even somebody who has ADHD, it'll take the whole webpage and it'll uh, brighten up certain sections by section. So they only have to focus on one part at a time. Right. Those things are so much more helpful than if you have a lot of things on your website, it doesn't overwhelm them because um, we want people to stay on our webpage as long as possible.
0: Right. And what was
1: the name of that app? I love... Yeah. A, a, a accessibility.
0: So it is, yeah. So
1: accessibility is a C C E S S I B dot com.
0: Necessity. All right. So I will. uh, I'll find a link for that and I'll stick it in the show notes so people have it. So so then I don't have to hire a a programmer full time to completely redo my website. I can just get it. It's like a WordPress plugin.
1: Yes. Yep. You can just get the plugin. Um, they have some more things that you can add into that they give you a report of more things that can that you can you know take it up to the next level if you wanted to, but they give you enough so that your that your site is ADA compliant. And there's some other ones out there like AudioEye and some other that are competitors that are still super great. Uh, But what we want to do, I mean, you absolutely can have a programmer that is hyper aware of all of those different accessible um, tools and things that can be shifted. But for a lot of us, we just want to be able to do something that's nice and quick. So I really like using these sorts of tools just so I can just have that little bit of code in there and it's done.
0: Right. And is this um, something that when you say ADA compliant, is this required by law?
1: Yes, it is required by law, because your website is seen as a place. And we need to make sure in America, you have to all places need to be accessible for everyone and websites are considered. um, uh, So um,
0: would you say it is a a full 1% are compliant? Or do you think it's less than 1% of websites are compliant? (laughs) Oh,
1: that's such a good question. (laughs) Um, I think like some of the major companies, I think a A lot of them are, but with small businesses, I would say it's probably like one or 2% at the most that are ADA compliant. So it's, it's not many. So what's
0: interesting is this is, this is not a, to me anyway, this is not a very visible thing in that I think about, if I go to microsoft.com, it's Mm -hmm. probably ADA compliant, but how would I even know that? Like, is there something I would see
1: It's something, if you don't have um, a disability, you might not notice any of the things that, um, you know, some of these other, you know, little widgets and stuff have to offer, Um, but, People with different disabilities, they can plug in certain tools that will work really well with certain websites, but it won't work with a lot of these small businesses' websites. So you don't really know off the bat what those problems might be, but that's something that larger corporations are always looking at. For yourself, you can do a free audit of all the things that you need to, to shift, and that's uh, a good place to start is just getting that audit done.
0: Right. Uh, so if people want to contact you, what's the best way, LinkedIn or your website? or?
1: Yeah. So, my website's a great place to contact us, Johnson Squared Consulting. So, it's Johnson2consulting.com. On LinkedIn, I'm Noelle C. Johnson.
0: Wow, you got uh, your real name. Yeah, I did. I know very (laughs) few Johnsons who have a real name on LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) I know. I've been on uh, LinkedIn since jump, like since I was working in the deli as a teenager. So,. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of your funny.
0: ultimate resume is to to have your real name on LinkedIn. So Yeah, it is. <laughs> so uh with the website, uh just one last question. If I have like a reactive website, you know, that it's good on the phone and the tablet and all mm-hmm. that happy stuff, does that help with the ADA compliance?
1: It does, but there's a lot of different components that need to be looked at and it's constantly shifting because um, now we're looking at people with, uh, all neurodiversities and that wasn't something that was looked at so much a few years ago. So it might not be ADA compliant when it comes to some things for folks that are neurodiverse. And I don't know that until, you know, you go and you plug all those things in and you find out what comes up as a flag. So right. it may be good for folks with certain disabilities, but not all.
0: Very cool. And so, uh, this is something that people should do, even if they don't serve, uh, a clientele that is specifically uh, has problems with vision or or hearing or whatever
1: absolutely because if anybody goes to your website and has an issue they have the right to sue and we want to avoid that um, and the number of lawsuits that are coming from people who have disabilities regardless if they were going to actually end up working with your company or not are very much on the rise i think it was something like 700 percent on the rise so we want to make sure that we're jumping on that as soon as we're able to
0: Right. Very cool. Uh, Well, I really appreciate your time and your energy and, um, you know, is there anything else that you want to add before we go?
1: Well, if you you would like to have a website audit done, Johnson Square does do audits. We would love to do one for for you. So just go to our website and click on audits. We would love to take a look at your website. So there's
0: a form to request an audit right on the website.
1: Yep, you can go right onto the website and request an audit and we'll look not only at your, um, at accessibility, but also inclusivity to make sure that your website looks as inclusive and welcoming as possible. Very
0: cool. Now, most of us, I, I will say in the IT business, our websites are constantly uh, being changed, right? were mm-hmm. are you know, uh, we have a thing called Termageddon, which uh, basically, keeps us compliant with all the privacy, you know, laws and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Or at least it, it puts the words up, whether or not, (laughs) whether or not it changes our behavior is a different story, but it (laughs) puts the words on the website. Uh, Mm -hmm. So this is like, this shouldn't be a huge burden for people to basically include this on the list in the next changes.
1: Absolutely. It's just one more thing, just to make sure that we aren't isolating anybody, that we are keeping ourselves super compliant and that it's a place that people really want to spend time on. We want folks to want to be on our website. So it's just another thing to add onto the list. That's really important.
0: Very cool. All right. Well, Noel Johnson from Johnson Squared Consulting. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This has been yet another SMB community podcast.